This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. morning. I am grateful to stand before you this morning and share a part of my testimony as a follower of Jesus Christ. Testimonies, they're not about our personal triumph. Usually our testimonies come after some failure. Rather, testimonies boast in Christ alone. I am a broken, messed up person who has been saved only by the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. God, he's always good. He's always faithful, even when we are faithless. The scripture for today, yes, there's still a scripture, is Romans chapter seven, verses 14 through 25. I will be reading from the New Living Translation, but I will reference the New International Version throughout my talk today. This is the word of God. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I not really the one doing wrong? It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. Then when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote the book of Romans, which is a letter. He was called and commissioned to bring the good news of Jesus to both the Jews and the Gentiles. In this section, he declares that the law given through Moses, it's not problematic. It's not at the heart of our spiritual dilemma. The law is not opposed to the promises of God. In fact, it's a holy gift from God 
The law acts as a God's instrument to explain his will to his people. The law served as a guardian until Christ arrived, showing us how desperately we need God. But the law itself does not save. God's plan to remedy the ills of the old creation, our broken inheritance, has been realized not in the Torah, but in Jesus Christ alone. While we know from Hebrew chapter 7, verse 19, the law made nothing perfect, but the law does stimulate our awareness of sin. When Adam and Eve ate fruit from the forbidden tree in the garden, their eyes were open. They realized their nakedness. The law arouses a desire within us to do what we know is wrong. And yet, it convicts us when we sin because we know the commands we have broken. But once again, this is not the problem. The problem, however, is the sin within himself, Paul states. This confession signifies Paul's personal experience, but it also sheds light into the sin problem that we all have. Paul delights in God's law, and he's disgusted with his own sin. And let me stop right there. It's a good thing to be increasingly conscious of and repulsed by the stench of your rebellion. You want to get away from anything that gets you away from God. You want to fight against being consumed with pleasing the flesh being absorbed with your feelings, and always lusting after something or someone. The sin problem is represented in this cycle of coveting the curated lives of others on Instagram. It's obsessing with the fear of missing out. It's getting intoxicated on the number of social media followers or likes to your name. In our feeble, fragile self, you and I, we don't possess the power to do what is right or good. Behavior modification doesn't come from your intellect or willpower. Even the good that I think I can do, it's tainted with my pride, my arrogance, and my self-righteousness. Obedience to God requires a divine intervention through Jesus' atonement. Not only a one-time confession of salvation, but a constant meditation on God's word to refocus our ever-wandering minds and hearts. Living a consecrated life is not about keeping my sin suppressed or hidden. And I know sometimes I'm saying the word sin a lot and some of you are feeling uncomfortable. That's a good thing. It should be uncomfortable. But instead, we should take all our thoughts captive under the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to say, as Paul did in verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Paul, many of you know, was a Pharisee, a zealot of the law, who even persecuted the church before his life-changing encounter with Christ. I, however, I wasn't outwardly hostile to Christianity like Paul was. In fact, I looked like a stereotypical good Christian girl. And that's all it was. It was a look. Because like some of you, I was trapped in the cycle of legalism, the law. At the age of nine, I made a public confession of faith. But eventually, I developed a faulty view of God's character. Combined with my own hardwire, go big, go home, black and white tendencies, my faith journey became clogged with all kinds of de devastating twists and turns. As a child, I learned very, on, very young that achievement and performance were directly tied to praise, acceptance, and popularity, which indirectly set the stage for my unfortunate, harmful belief of God as this distant, demanding, authoritative figure who would only love me if and only if I strive for perfection in everything. So my faith was limited to just creeds and doctrines and religious rituals. I developed a false sense of my own strength, misplacing my identity in productivity and ambition. I was a straight A student, a full scholarship to university, a Teach for America Corps member, a master's in education, working hard and playing hard. I was a poster child for being a do-gooder. But an internal battle was being waged in the inside because I often felt despite what I was achieving, I never would quite measure up. Being good and staying on track it became harder and harder since I view Christianity through a distorted lens of rules and power and not love and godly boundaries. Boundaries is love, you guys. Boundaries is love. I failed to comprehend the significance of what Jesus had accomplished on the cross. In Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. The weightiness of every literal regulation has been fulfilled. Grace has come. A new life has been purchased with Christ's blood. In no way does this freedom give you the license to sin. I'll say that again. This freedom does not give you a license to sin. It should, though, compel us to strive to what, whatever pleases God. Yes, this tendency to sin remains because we are still in these bodies, but we have the Holy Spirit's power to access obedience and righteousness. But righteousness comes from faith in Christ. It's not this reserved fund of works. It's not acts of service. It's not mission trips. It's not perfect attendance at church or even chapel. So as you can imagine, I began 
yielding to sin more and more because my, my perspective was all off. I had this mask where I was pretending like I had it all together. In verse 18, Paul writes these words, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. My fixation with perfection eventually led down a destructive path where I was in the midst of an eating disorder. This eating disorder was an on-again, off-again battle. It started in middle school, and it continued into adulthood. I'd go amount of time without engaging, but sooner or later, I would return to strict dieting, excessive exercising, and even binging and purging. The negative thought patterns constantly harassed me, replaying the lies that my body type wasn't good enough, that I was fat, all too curvy. And yet still, I thought I was running the show, y'all. I thought I was in control, even as sin was wrecking havoc in my life. It was destroying my body and eroding my spirit. From Proverbs 28, verse 13, we know that whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Not only confessing, but renouncing it finds mercy. A significant step for me to begin experiencing victory was to just simply say that I admitting that I am powerless to control my self-defeating tendencies. My addiction and my dysfunction, it was bigger than me. As Paul cried out in verse 24 of our text, so did I. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Paul's testimony reminds me that I am not alone. And, and it will do the same for you. If you can just cry out, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in need. Without meeting God on the road to Damascus, Paul would have continued killing Christians instead of becoming a missionary to all the nations. Without Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, who knows how many loveless, unfulfilled relationships she would have just fell into. Without total surrender to God, my life would have remained unmanageable, decaying in disorder. But God met me right in the middle of my distorted identity, which finally, thank God, allowed me to start the slow process. And I want to say that sometimes when you're battling a sin, it's not, it's, not, it's not an easy road. Denying sin is not easy. It was a slow process to address my eating disorder. 
which included intensive outpatient clinical services and years of ongoing extensive therapy. All by God's grace, for more than over a decade, I haven't engaged in behaviors associated with my eating disorder, but I still require God's amazing grace and reoccurring life-changing encounters with him to confront my moments of doubt, comparison, and insecurities that pop up. And these moments remind me that I always need Christ for true and lasting healing. I am not a medical professional. As James said, my background is education. But if you are struggling with any kind of addiction or mental health concern, please seek help right away. Don't wait. There's no conflict either for a Christian between a firm hope in Jesus' wonder-working power and the intervention or continuous care of a trained counselor or even medication when necessary. Sometimes your wonder-working power, this power is gonna come through a medical license help. I know many of you can relate to viewing Christianity as this rubric of heavenly merits or demerits. We all kind of get caught up there sometimes. But Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25 reminds us, however, that spiritual disciplines of an Orthodox Christian faith, they're not wrong. But without this, a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there's absolutely no way to please him. Even so, you need to know that the process of dying daily to your sin is not about self-loathing either. In his book, The Soul of Shame, retelling the stories we believe about ourselves, psychiatrist Kirk Thompson explains how shame is a primary biological force that evil uses to disconnect us from others and God's love. Dying to sin leads to freedom. So today with joy, not shame, I can declare that I'm a work in progress by God, whose love is greater than all my flaws, my failures, and my fears combined. He never called me or you to be perfect, but he is calling us to be faithful and obedient to him in all things, knowing that Christ has made us his own. It isn't about religion, denomination, or mandatory spiritual routines. It's about being justified by grace through faith alone. I am a daughter of the King of Kings. I am unconditionally loved by God, and so I can confess my sins daily accept hardships and limitations, embrace my imperfections, and still follow God with everything I have, that his kingdom will come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go in peace. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together 
in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.